God, I pray that it would never be that we are singing these words uh, numbly or absentmindedly, but that always, always, when we sing, I am a child of God, that we would connect that with the incredible lengths that you went to to make that true. That you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. That through him we have salvation for eternity and the gift of a relationship with you. We're so grateful. Thank you for counting us into your family, Lord. We turn to you now praying that you would open our minds to understand your word uh, more deeply. Give us a better picture of who you are so that we can admire you better and better. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's thank our worship team for leading us this weekend. Yeah. You can be seated. And uh, we are so excited to be together. Tonight we have a very special treat. I'd like to invite to the stage our good friend Jeremiah Mikituk. Jeremiah has been doing his pastoral internship with us, uh, and this comes, is coming to a close. And, uh, but we wanted him to be able to come and to share from God's Word with us uh, one more time. Uh, and so we're delighted to have him. Let me just pray for him. Lord, thank you okay. for loving us and being with us. Thank you that you are ready to lead us into your truth and pray that you would use Jeremiah. We love you and we commit this time into your hands, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, as I, be, as I begin our time together, Todd, I hope you don't mind, but I want to begin by sharing a little bit of feedback that I got from the leadership after my first sermon here back in February. And they kind of said to me, Jeremiah, stick to the script. Because I ad-libbed a little bit too much last time and I went over my time limit. So I, I want to reassure all of you, going to stick to the script this time. So Todd, just to put your mind at ease, here I go. Sticking to the script. All right, stopwatch starting. So, so here we go. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to witness the holy matrimony of, oh wait, looks like I printed out the wrong notes. <laughs> That's going to be a bit of a problem, so we'll just see what we can do. No, uh, but no, seriously, I want to begin by thanking all of you for being here. Those of you who are here in person or those of you who are watching at home online, I think it's a tremendous honor and blessing that you're taking time out of your day to be a part of this message. So I want to begin by saying thank you. Now, I also want to begin by asking all of you a question. My question for you is this. Have you ever wondered what it takes to be a pastor like Todd and I? Have you ever wondered what that takes? So I talked about it with Todd, and I got the thumbs up. So I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit for all of you and tell you what I've done to come this far in being a pastor. So usually I come to church on Saturday nights, just like I'm here now, and when we go home from church, the first thing I do is fast. I fast, and not one single 
solitary scrap of food passes through my lips until Sunday morning. Then as I fast, I pray sometimes two, three, four hours. Then when I'm done praying, I read scripture. I read scripture basically till I can't keep my eyes open any longer. Yeah, if, so if any of you are wondering, if you feel that calling on your heart, that's just a sample of what you need to do to be a pastor, okay? Well, well to, be honest, to be honest with you, everything I just told you guys is a complete fib. <laughs> not, not, not one word of it was true. Okay, okay. Here's the truth. When I go home with my mom on Saturday nights from church, my cousin Gavin there is usually waiting for me at home. I get home, first thing I do, I shovel food in my face like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, that, that's job number one. I shovel food in my face. Then, as I'm shoveling food in my face, we have kind of a family tradition on Saturday night. We love to watch old reruns of Saturday Night Live. Now, I love Saturday Night Live collectively, right? But I am a huge fan of the original cast of Saturday Night Live because there were so many talented performers on that original cast. But one of the performers who always sticks out to me the most is the late, great Gilda Radner. She was just, just phenomenal. She used to do so many different good bits and impersonations. She was really just amazing. And one of my favorite bits that she would always do, she would imitate the journalist and TV personality, Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters, okay? So Todd, Todd, if you don't mind, we're gonna we're gonna have you and I what I like to call a little pretend time. Okay? Sound I good? guess so. Okay. This will be good, trust me. Trust me. So I'm gonna be pretending to be it's kind of a twofold thing. I'm gonna be Gilda Radner as Barbara Walters. Todd, you get the long end of the stick. You're just going to be Pastor Todd, okay? Do you think you can be Pastor Todd? I will try with all of my might. Okay, I think you can do it. I have faith in you. Don't let me down. So this is me as Gilda Radner as Barbara Walters. And she would start out by saying she always had, if you will, a little bit of an accent. Instead of saying, hello, I'm Barbara Walters, she would say, hello, I'm Barbara Wawa. <laughs> I'm Barbara Wawa, and my guest today is Pastor Todd Nielsen. Now, when Gilda would start out this little bit, 
she would always start out with a couple normal questions. She would say, like, who is Pastor Todd Nielsen? How is Pastor Todd Nielsen doing today? Those typical interview questions, right? But then she would just kind of trail off into what I call organized silliness. And she would ask questions like, why is Pastor Todd? When is Pastor Todd? And, you know, those last couple questions, they were fun and they were funny, but they didn't really mean that much, right? But as we focus in on Scripture tonight, I want to circle back to one of those questions because one of them is very important for all of us, right? And it's the question of who. Who am I? Who are you? Now, there are a variety of ways, right, that we can answer this question. But if I were to answer this question about myself, I would simply tell you that I consider myself to be an ordinary person. I do some things well, and I really struggle with other things. For instance, after 43 years, I still haven't figured out that whole walking thing. I, I see you people doing it all the time, and I really just don't understand how you can avoid falling flat on your face. It just doesn't make sense. But, you know, again, I would, you know, if I'm to describe myself to you, I would say I am an ordinary person. And I am perfectly comfortable saying that about myself. But, you know, I think somewhere down the line as a culture, right, we've gotten the idea in our heads that being ordinary is a bad thing. We've gotten the idea that if I'm ordinary, or if you are ordinary, that somehow we are less than or inferior to the extraordinary people that must be out there in the world around us. So we've gotten this very bad negative opinion about what it means to be ordinary. But what I want to draw our attention to tonight is the fact that Scripture paints a very different picture of being ordinary. Because if we look at Scripture, Scripture shows us that it's fine to be ordinary. In fact, I'll go so far as to say it's great to be ordinary. And it's great to be ordinary because God uses ordinary people like you and like me to do amazing things. But there's a little bit of a catch. Because we are just ordinary, we can't do amazing things on our own. If you or I are going to do amazing things, we have to be filled with Jesus. We have to be filled with the Father. We have to be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. And that brings me to our bottom line that you'll see on our screens for tonight. Being filled with Jesus empowers us. Being filled with Jesus empowers us. Now, to demonstrate how being filled with Jesus empowers ordinary people like you and like me to do amazing things. The passage that we're going to focus on tonight is Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 22. Verses 1 to 22. And I'm going to quickly um, gloss over one of the verses. And in verse 4 of this passage, it says that two of the apostles, Peter and John, were preaching to a crowd in front of the temple. They were preaching to the crowd. They were teaching about Jesus. They were preaching about Jesus. They were peacefully bringing huge numbers of people to faith in Jesus in a very short period of time. In fact, that verse records for us that, again, these two men alone, by the force of their words that were empowered by Jesus, brought approximately 5,000 people to faith in Jesus. Now, let's, let's think about that for a moment. Two men empowered by Jesus in a short period of time brought about 5,000 people to faith in Jesus. Now, when you hear that, I think there's a tendency to think, okay, yeah, they brought 5,000 people to faith in Jesus, but these were Peter and John. These were two of the apostles, right? These were two men that were handpicked by Jesus himself for a special ministry on earth. I'm not an apostle. I'm just an ordinary person. Now, I love the Bible. I have a ton of respect for each of the apostles. But let me tell you something. Scripture shows quite clearly that the apostles on their own were ordinary people just like you and like me. There was nothing fundamentally special, right, about any of them. On their own, they were ordinary people. And to begin to kind of demonstrate this point, that the apostles were, again, just ordinary people. I'm going to have my friend Pastor Todd read for you the first part of Acts 4.13. So this is Acts 4.13a. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Yeah, and... What I, what I want us to focus on, and notice that we have some high, words highlighted on the screen for you, because this is so, I think, important. Let's look at what it says here. The Sanhedrin. Now, to unpack that a little bit, 
The, the Sanhedrin was the high council of Jewish religious leaders. They were like the cream of the crop. And yet, these tremendously renowned teachers and scholars were astonished by Peter and by John. But let's look again at why they were astonished. The scripture says that they were astonished because they were unschooled, ordinary men. Again, they were normal, just like you and like me. On their own, there was nothing fundamentally special about them. Okay? So, I think what we just learned, it kind of brings the apostles down to earth. But I think that still leaves us with an important question, right, that we have to wrestle with. If Peter, if John, if the other apostles were, in fact, just ordinary men, how did they do these amazing things? How were these ordinary, these unschooled men, able to astonish members of the Sanhedrin? How were they able to heal sick people? How were they able to bring, in a short period of time, 5,000 people to faith in Jesus? Now, to begin to answer these questions, I want us to look at the second half of Acts 4.13, And again, my friend Pastor Todd is going to read that for you. And so it goes on to say, And they, the members of the Sanhedrin, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Okay. So, yeah, look what it says. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, I don't know about all of you, but it sounds to me like the Sanhedrin were on to something important seems to me that they had found an important detail in the story, that these men were special because they had been with Jesus. Now, I want to choose my words very carefully here, because being with Jesus, whether you're with him 2,000 years ago in person, or whether you're with him tonight, or tomorrow in prayer, or in reading scripture. All of those kinds of activities are great. Those are activities that can indeed bring us closer to Jesus. But what I'm going to suggest to you tonight is that just being with Jesus isn't enough for us to do amazing things. For something more is required. And I think that that something more that we want to identify crops up in in, uh, verse 8. All right. And it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, yeah, so it's the idea that they were filled filled with the Holy Spirit. So again, 
That, I think, is the key. It's not just enough to be with Jesus in an external sense. We have to be filled with Jesus. We have to let him come into our hearts. We have to let him live inside us and take over our lives. Now, to do that, this is one of those interesting moments. Because it's something that's simple, something that should be simple. But it's something that, even though it should be simple, is often quite difficult for us. Because in order for us to have Jesus living inside us, I think we all need to be humble. We need to reach a point deep down in our souls where often it feels as if there is nothing but darkness and pain. But when we come to that place and when we come to that moment in our souls, we need to be willing to shout out to Jesus and to say, Jesus, I know that I'm ordinary. I know that there's nothing special about me. Jesus, I know that on my own, I can't overcome the obstacles that are before me. I can't overcome my addiction. I can't be a good father, a good mother to my children. I can't be a good partner to my spouse. That, I think, is the key right there being willing to say, Jesus, I know that I'm ordinary, but Jesus, I know that with you living inside me, I can do extraordinary things. So, that's the key, to open our hearts, to be humble, and to let Jesus live inside you. Now, once you know that Jesus is living inside you, each of us has a different calling for our life that Jesus will give us. And it's going to be different for everyone, depending on what your circumstances are. For some of you, the calling that Jesus puts on your heart might be responding to a call to enter a life of full-time ministry. It might be responding to the call to confront the fact that you have an addiction and you realize that on your own that there's nothing you can do to overcome that addiction. For others, it might mean committing to volunteering at a place like the Nehemiah Center or the Victory Kitchen. But what I want to leave you with tonight is this. After you've humbled yourself and allowed Jesus to live in your heart, and once you know what his calling is for your life, don't look back. Don't doubt. Just do it. Don't say to yourself or to your friends or to your family, I'm too old, I'm too young, or perhaps for someone like me, I'm too disabled. 
The only question you need to ask yourself when that moment comes is, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? And once you know that the answer to that question is yes, then just do whatever he has called you to do. Because again, I want you to remember that being filled with Jesus, being filled with the Father, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. Being filled with Jesus empowers us. Thank you. Hey. I tell you another one of the lines that Jeremiah just shared that sticks out to me, don't doubt, just do it. And so many times in our lives, we second guess and we worry and we wonder and we live in fear. And I'm so grateful this weekend that Jeremiah, he's not let that fear get the best of him. That he, in hearing God's call on his life, has said, you know what, I just need to do it. No matter what, no matter what's in my way, no matter how hard it might be, no matter how much work it's going to take, no matter how it's going to drain me physically, Jeremiah has answered that call in his life, just like God is calling every single one of us to answer that same call. What do you want me to do, Jesus? An ordinary person, all of us, ordinary, and yet filled with Jesus can accomplish some truly extraordinary things. Let me pray for us as we conclude our evening. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your grace in our lives. That our sins and our shortcomings don't disqualify us from being used by you. That our ordinariness does not keep us from being used in some incredible ways. But Lord, what will keep us from stepping into the extraordinary, maybe our own fears, our own worries, but God, you want to meet us right in that place. Your word says perfect love casts out all fear. So thank you that you have perfectly loved us, God, by sending your one and only son, Jesus. Lord, you've given your life so that we can experience real life, a full life, a purpose-filled life, an extraordinary life. Not a life without hardships or, or difficulties, but a life that is truly extraordinary. I pray for the rest of our chapel family that they would lean into the words that Jeremiah challenged us with this evening and that we would answer your call to be obedient, to not doubt, but to do. Thank you that you will empower us, fill us again by your Holy Spirit, and send us out to do your work in this world. It's in Christ's name that we pray together. Amen. Hey, you guys have a great rest of